I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, it's Dan. You're about to hear our 17th episode. This one's on They Shall Not Grow Old, the great Peter Jackson film. And we just want to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to us talk about these movies. We hope that you like some of the episodes. We hope that you like the movies. That's what this is all about. So we're working up to the end of the first season, which is going to be episode 20. We already know what we're going to do for that episode, so you'll have to wait and find out what it is. But in the meantime, if you have ideas for movies that you want Mike and I to discuss, please tweet us at 15minutefilm at 15minfilm. Or you can um, leave us a voicemail on the Anchor site. Please, please subscribe on iTunes or um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us. Please give the show a rating. Put the word out there if you like what we're doing. And uh, we hope you do. So thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. Welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, a podcast where two friends talk about movies together for the first time. This week, we're going to be talking about Peter Jackson's 2018 documentary, They Show Not Grow Old. It's a film that was made because the British War Museum gave Peter Jackson over 100 hours of footage of World War I and asked him just to simply make a movie. And the result is They Should Not Grow Old. Now, I had seen this a bunch of times. I saw it when it was first released in America by Fathom Events. I went one afternoon to see it. I thought it was incredible. And I kept trying to get Mike to see it. And, you know, uh, wires got crossed and things. But Mike finally saw it this week. So I can't wait to hear what he thinks about it. Mike, what did you think? Go. My first initial impression is, wow, Peter Jackson can make a movie. I've seen a couple of his films. Obviously, I kind of grew up and came of age with his Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, that he made which was like you know the film spectacular du jour sure uh, at the time i also really enjoyed district nine and a, and a couple of other uh movies that he's made but i forgot the technical mastery and narrative mastery um that he has at his best you know he kind of lost me with his hobbit films which is a non sequitur uh but we've talked to, on the podcast a few times about feeling like you're in good hands yes. and that's exactly the way i felt from the opening moment uh, of this film my other big takeaway was it's very rare that I get the sensation that a movie is doing something only a movie can do. You know, there's a lot of narrative twists uh, in great films, but narrative twists can be done a couple of different ways. There's sensations that you can get from, from music, but there's no amount of actual documentary or, or documentation that you can get. This is not, like Ken Burns reading you a soldier's letter home or something, you know, read by Morgan Freeman. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This is truly something 
only a film can do. And, and that feeling combined with the feeling that I was in good hands made me feel from the first five or 10 minutes of this film just made me kind of rub my hands together and say, I'm in for it now. Totally, totally. If I may take over the conversation. You may. Um, um, one thing that I could not be more impressed with was Peter Jackson's restraint in this film. Like, for example, did you notice what was missing in a movie that's a documentary about World War I? Like, what's missing from this movie that you would see on the History Channel? You got me. The map. Um, the, the talking <laughs> heads of a PhD somewhere at a college with a, with a little credit line at the bottom, right? The narrator, right? All those things that, that we were raised on, like somebody show, someone showing us a VHS in class and boring us to tears, none of that's in the movie. It's all the sound is, is, is you know, obviously the, um, the soldiers that were there, but his restraint and not, not trying to tell the story of World War I and not having Morgan Freeman, like said, I didn't know you were going to say that, that's awesome. Not having like somebody read a letter like, it was then that we reached the Balkans. Gustav Rudolph, you know, 1914. <laughs> like to not have any of that stuff in the movie was so much better. And it was great. Do you remember in the film when in the beginning you hear the voiceover of our British guy and he says, all we knew was uh, there was some trouble in the Balkans. There was a bit of trouble with some, some chap getting shot in an automobile. And that's exactly like, that's what every pretty much high school kid understands about the outbreak of World War One was that a guy got shot in a car. And that's exactly what you get in this movie. Well, that my other Im impression was there's a moment where somebody says, uh, right near the armistice that it was the first time he could remember standing up all the way he said yeah. he could stand up all the way without getting shot in the head uh -huh. and that was a i just thought a brilliant sentence because there this is dramatized in a lot of world war one movies you know this is not paths of glory right. or, or something like that right uh, where everybody takes the the foxhole the trench idea uh, and pushes it you know in in order to make their film but the voice of somebody just kind of coming out and saying that was it was special to hear again it's a, something that i think only a film can do so let me ask you this in, in the minute we have left in the first segment um you know the film was universally praised it, it broke all kinds of documentary records but there was a, there was a small you know contingent of critics who thought that peter jackson went wrong with colorizing the battle scenes and adding the sound because they said that's not the way that like it, it was cheesy or it was kind of like Ted Turner colorizing old movies. What, what would you take on that? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, the, the, anybody who loves classic movies knows about the, the Ted Turner debacle. This was not uh, it at all. I thought that the impression was extremely vivid. It was extremely lifelike. I think to your, to your point, there's a lot of people, places whose only ideas of world war one, is seeing uh, Franz Ferdinand get shot in the car <laughs> in a black in a black and white photo right. somewhere on page three hundred and fourteen, and I think that to see a full grown man talk about you know losing best friends or what the end of the war is like uh, or something or, or admitting that he doesn't know what to do now that yeah. that the war is over in full color is very very different than assuming that life is just in in black and white. I forget who it is. I think it's um, Louis Black has some joke about that uh, all the footage from North Korea is in black and white because it's just black and white there. And I think people think that about World War One, but of course that was not the case. Certainly, certainly. All right, we'll see you in segment two. Let's keep it rolling. Hi, welcome back. So in our second segment, we like to talk about a key scene or a key moment that's indicative of the themes of the film as a whole. Dan, I know that you had one that you want to start off with. I have, I have at least two, so I'm kind of cheating, but one Go of them was it. one um, was how, how uh, interesting it was when one of the soldiers in the voiceover says, we thought it would be camping with a spice of danger to make it interesting. 
And then all of that stuff in the beginning where it's amazing how Peter Jackson doesn't give you one character, but gives you just like a sense of a bunch of guys going through this thing. Like you don't know what battle they're involved in or you don't know like what day they, they enlist in or what day they get released on. But um, it's amazing how there is a narrative made of all these disparate voices, but there's these overall themes. And one of those themes is that they thought it would be fun. Like, as you remember, when they show the cut of all them looking at the sign and they're playing the, um, they're playing, uh, he says they're playing rugby with a German. And like, do we finish the game? Do we keep going? And that um, they all lied about their ages, you know, like, how old are you? You know, 18. We'll go outside and have another birthday. So I thought that um, the, the film was so good at showing the youthful naivete of these guys as they went out to war. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And I think, that I was also impressed by sort of the cavalcade of different voices, which were yeah. not necessarily attached to a face. It reminded me, there's a famous quote by um, Henry James in one of his essays on the, on the novel. He said that if a young woman even was a sensitive young novelist and she walked outside of a soldier's camp and overheard their talk, she should be able to the great war novel. Yep. And I think that that is part of the impression that that Peter Jackson is trying to give. He's trying to reduce it down to the barest elements that'll make you feel surrounded, you know, not to make too much yeah. of a pun on surround sound, but make you make you feel surrounded by these people as though there's a kind of a crowd of of, of ghosts. And again, you know, what a, outside the door. Yeah. And again, like what a, what a great testament to his imagination. Right. Like this is the guy that could that could make the Lord of the Rings movie that that for decades everyone said you can't film. But his imagination saw that project through. And again, his imagination here like I would have just picked a guy or we or or he would have just like recreated the whole movie like he would have made 1917 based upon the footage he saw. But his imagination is so large that he ended up doing this this kind of thing where he just had all these sound bites in there and it carries you along. Yeah, you're right. That That's extremely interesting. I think that maybe one way to characterize his central talent is you just drop something impossible off on his desk <laughs> and, and he gives you something back amazing. You know, you send him right. a but I feel like they did actually send him a box filled yeah. with these canisters and then the team got to work or, you know, you throw him the Silmarillion or something like yeah. that and he comes back with a movie. He says in the, um, if when I saw it in the theaters, there was a half hour documentary where he got to speak like to the viewer essentially after it was over. And he said that for a year, all they did was like, was watch the stuff and figure out like what, what clips were the best ones and which voiceovers were the best ones. Like he didn't rush into it at all. So that's kind of fascinating. What was your moment? I'm trying to remember the exact quote. Um, I didn't take it down, but it reminds me of, of your moment in that there are ways that a screenwriter would write certain things. And then there's ways where you can just take a perfect line from the actual soldiers talk when you were talking about the, the camping uh -huh. you know, with a little bit of, with a little right. bit of spice. And my moment is when the documentary actually gets to the details of the armistice. Uh -huh. And one guy says it was like we'd been fired. Yeah. <laughs> and I, that was something that had never yeah, occurred to me, you know, you I, I'd always watch something like the Shawshank Redemption or sure. something where there's just prisoners who don't want out um, and kind of rolled my eyes or thought that that was super cheesy. But it, it, it's a different experience to hear all these soldiers yeah. say uh, we didn't cheer. We didn't. Somebody says, um, you know, if we had celebrated the armistice with a liquid, it would have been tea. Yeah. You know, none of us wanted to drink to it uh -huh. because we got in there when we were 16, 17, 18 and we don't know what to do now. Yeah. Yeah. And the film was very good about what happened afterwards. I guess we'll talk about that in the next segment. Yes. See you then.
We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, so welcome back in our third segment. We like to talk about the title, the ending, or a key takeaway. Dan, I know you have something specifically on the title. Sure, I have much on the title. Well, well, as uh, viewers of the film probably know, the title was taken from a poem by Lawrence Binion called For the Fallen that appeared in the London Times in 1914. You know, as you know, Mike, uh, you know, World War I is a great surge of verse in, in, in England. And um, I just want to read a little part of the poem where Jackson got the line from. Uh, the poem is a laudatory look at the soldiers, and it says, quote, They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Now, of course, they should not grow old literally because they can't because they were they were cut down in their youth. But also they won't grow old because of the, the remembrance of the of the people that were left behind. And that's, of course, memory is a big thing, a big a big theme, I think, of Jackson's film. I agree. And my take on the ending kind of spins off of that. There's there's a moment near the ending. It's, it's not the exact ending where the titles come up and inform you that between 19 and 14, yeah. 1914, 1918, one million, one million British service members were, were killed. And that's only the British. Right. One million. And that to me is an unfathomable, yes. unfathomable number. Um, I know it's, it's silly or, or trite to say, but it's almost, it's almost too much remembrance to bear or to, to do anything with. And of course, again, that's only the British. Yeah. There's a, a million people, yeah. a million voices. And I think that, again, the, the crowd of voices in this film is what really impresses me. And as much as the footage can bring certain things to life, the sense of loss also leaves me not knowing what to do. Yeah. Uh, at the at the end of the movie. Yeah. And you see, like, speaking of crowd of voices, how about in the credits when you start to get the credit sequence and after they have like the, you know, where, where Peter Jackson acknowledges his ancestors, you just see screen after screen after screen of the people whose whose uh, memories were recorded for the film. It's unbelievable. Right. And you're right. You can't wrap your head around a million people. And I thought the same thing. As soon as you said that statistic, I'm like, yep, you can't wrap your head around it. So you're right. It's too much remembrance. You know, at the end, another another thing and I want to get your take on this was. I, my favorite moment in the movie, and it's not a rah-rah moment, it's certainly a downbeat, but is the very, very end when the guy's telling the story of how he gets back from the war and he goes into the, the grocers and the guy looks at him and says, oh, where you been? You've been working nights? <laughs> and that, like, nobody could talk about it. Nobody could discuss it after they got back. And it reminded me of, that's another long literary tradition. Like, in addition to verse from the First World War, like, we all know about Rupert Brooke and Wilfred Owen, but... um. This idea that like when you get back, something has happened to you so unfathomable that you can't talk about it, right? Like that's what happens to Nick Adams in a Big Two-Hearted River, the stories by Hemingway. Tim O'Brien has a great story called the How to Tell a True War Story about Vietnam. And it's all about how like you can't actually put into words what it was like. Like you can't talk about it. And I think the film was just another attempt to talk about it. But you and I sitting doing this podcast, like we can't wrap our heads around it. No, but to, but to come full circle, I think that there's something that this film does that even, you know, big two hearted river 
uh, can't do by allowing you to to see the faces uh, and he, and hear the voices. Yeah. And no, the the effect of the movie on me is like I was visiting the camps or I was visiting the trenches, and it right. is also almost literally a visitation on me as <laughs> as a as a crowd of ghosts. Yeah. How about how about um how how um soon did you stop complaining about your day to day? <laughs> travails when you watch this movie never i'm still angry that i didn't say unfathomable the first time right exactly right it's it, this i'm movie just is, too petty it's such a great tonic for when we complain about the wi-fi <laughs> and then you watch this movie and you're like okay maybe i should pump the brakes a little bit all right but a great movie if you haven't seen it out there we urge you urge you to go see it and thank you for listening thanks for listening